Do it again. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world. You're listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. The martini, shaken, not stirred. Don't try and church it up, son. You can't handle the truth. I am the picture that got small. Your first one's on us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. I'm your host, Mark Riccadonna, and with me as always... Richie Byrne! What's up, brother? What's going on? Good to see you. Is it I, Friday? Uh, it is Friday. Oh, Thank God. I, I am so hungover. I, <laughs> I am? Are you really? Yeah, that vodka that had the uh, electrolytes that's supposed to be hangover proof, it uh, doesn't work if you drink the whole bottle. <laughs> I thought I was being healthy. I thought I was. <laughs> well, I, I was telling you, I fell asleep 1230 on my couch, woke up at 330 and went to bed, set my alarm for seven and got up at 10 in the morning. I had an immense night's sleep, but nice. could go right back to bed right now. Like it's the weirdest thing. Oh, shit. I um real quick. We had a uh, I don't know if you know this, Richie, because you're not live in studio right now, but we actually have somebody warming up our crowd today. Uh, can we sh- cut to the uh, our guy warming up? Our, uh... <laughs> what was that about? I was going through my phone looking for this video. That, you were there that day? Yeah, and all of a sudden I came across that video. I'm like, we got to play that. Well, what I find funny is at one point when I go, you see me actually go. <laughs> You're exhausted from it's like, shaking your arms. I, uh, well, um, we, have a, we have a special guest today. We have a very special no. guest. Um I'm going to bring him out, but we're going to play a video of him at the roast. He's actually backed by popular demand. Backed He's, by popular demand. He did our radio. Or our yeah, he did audio. it when we were just doing. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to bring him out, but I'm going to play this clip of him at the Gene Simmons roast. And then when we come back, he'll be here with Very us, cool. joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Greg Gass. I'm a huge fan of Kiss. They are just in their in their interviews. I've seen some of the greatest arrogance. I think every rock band should have. This is a direct quote. The interviewer said, a lot of people think that Kiss should give it up. What do you say to those people? And I'm quoting Paul Stanley, the lead singer of Kiss, his exact response. You know, (laughs) the great thing about being in Kiss is... A lot of bands don't even get invited to the big dinner, but we're the kind of band like to stick around for the roles. And then they panned over to Gene. No, 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 no. Like Gene could add something to that. And he does. The next thing out of Gene's mouth for no reason. Oh, God, help me. You know what Paul is saying is absolutely true. (laughs) The great thing about being in Kiss is some people like steak and some people like ice cream. But you don't have steak with ice cream, and that's why Kiss is so great. What the Greg has. What's up, brother? Uh, he's muted. You're muted. You're, 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 there he is. He was that just was telling us off. Fun intro, man. Holy shit. That's the greatest. <laughs> My favorite thing ever is that when you do the Paul Stanley impression and you and I are together, we make him the gayest man alive. Well... <laughs> I have to film the intro to this show because I love that you guys rolled that out. That was so perfect. Dude, yeah. You know, we can send you the link later. <laughs> it's, even I know that. I know nothing about this shit. So I, I noticed uh, your hat. 
you're wearing a, a you're not wearing your Mariners hat, which is a uh, it's a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm wearing my Super Bowl uh, fifty four hat. Every year, I go to the Super Bowl and I interview the players on both teams, and I always get a hat from that year's Super Bowl to wear while I'm talking to the guys. And um, um, and the hats are usually really cool, so I like keeping them around for a few months. So, what do you interview um, them for? Is there a company? Who do you in, in, interview them for? I I send them out to sports stations all over the country, especially the cities that are being represented in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, I always I do tons of radio in every city that I go to. So whenever whoever the teams are, I always take all that content and I send it directly to all the TV affiliates and radio stations that I'm friends with. Cool. And let them run it. And then um, sometimes the NFL on Fox or ESPN has taken my content and played it. And the NFL on Fox will always credit me. And then it goes hyper viral. There's a thing that I did with Peyton Manning a few years ago at Super Bowl 50 where the NFL on Fox put it on their Facebook page. And if you're a football fan, you'll get this. Um, I walked up to Peyton Manning and I said, Peyton, my name's Craig Gass. I'm a stand-up comedian. And I have an idea for you for a game show called Peyton Manning Trivia, where it is impossible for you to get any question wrong. And he said, any question? I said, for you? It's going to be impossible. And we're going to do a speed round right now. What is the largest city in the state of Nebraska? And he went, Omaha. Where is the College World Series played at every year? Omaha. And I made him say Omaha 20 times in a row. And then I I corrected him at the end and went, Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. You are correct, sir. You win again. And – the NFL on Fox put it on their Facebook page, and it got 3 million views in 24 hours. It was crazy wow. viral. And whenever ESPN has taken my stuff and played it, they only say some guy did a funny thing with Aww. Tom Brady. They And I've, I'll email them and be like, hey, that was me. I'm a comedian. My name's Craig Gass. And I, and I never get to anybody to correct it, which bums me out, but... Yeah. Craig, I gotta ask you a big favor because I just did an album yeah. of sketch comedy about Tom Brady. All right, I, I might have to the bug you about uh, some of your contacts because I really want to get it out there, you know, out to the 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 sports people. Um, but it, maybe you could uh, help me out. It's really funny. We have a guy Absolutely. Gary from Boston calls in and uh, talks to the uh, radio people about. Tom Brady, even though it's not sports talk. So really? he puts Tom Brady in every kind of scenario. That's awesome. <laughs> you guys know who Josh Wolf is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Josh and I started together in Seattle 27 years ago. And when we were still living in Seattle, Josh loved to fuck with local sports stations. And he would go, he, he would call them up. I always remember the one call he made after Michael Jordan retired, played baseball, and then came back. And the news was breaking. Michael Jordan is coming back to play basketball. And Josh called in, and I heard the call. We got Josh in Northgate. Go ahead, Josh. You're on the air. And he goes, hey, uh, just a question. Everybody keeps talking about Michael Jordan coming back like it's such a big deal. But when has he ever won the big game? And they go, Josh, he won three championships. And he goes, I know. But when has he ever won the big game? And they went, all right, Mark in West Seattle, what are you doing? And they, and the next caller was like, uh, yeah, first I want to say that guy, Josh, is a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and every call that came through started out with, Fuck Josh! What, a, what the hell are you talking about? Like he was trolling people before trolling was a thing. It was amazing. It was amazing. Absolutely you, amazing. You're always you're backstage everywhere, and you're always you know at sporting events on the fifty yard line during the Super Bowl. Yeah, if I, there's a major sporting event, look for Craig. I know. How do you get access to everything? 
Um, the concerts are from, uh, I used to work in music when I was a kid and I made a ton of friends in the music business and it just kept snowballing to where, um, you know, if you know somebody who's really good at their job, they will stay on tour forever with Aerosmith and then they'll go to Janet Jackson and then they'll go to the Chili Peppers and then they'll go to Eric Clapton. Like if they're really good at their job, they'll just keep working forever. Mm -hmm. um, being and... friends with Craig Gass has more benefits than actually being in show business. I'm going to show a clip. This is this is where you go when you're with Craig. This is where you watch the concert from. Every time I go to a concert with Craig, he gets me a seat on stage and then disappears. Where was he? He disappears. It's the weirdest thing. Where do you go during these shows? You've just been to so many, you don't watch them anymore. You know what? Actually, um, on my, I just, I had a big birthday. I turned 50 a couple months ago. And we did a roast in Hawaii. And oh. um, my friend Courtney oversaw the roast. <laughs> And her plan was for put to put together a video montage of where does Craig go during the concert? Because I'm always dropping off people on stage and then I leave and I, I just have really bad ADHD where I just want to walk around. I also want to collect cool souvenirs for everybody. I like to get uh, copies of the set list <clears throat> to give to my friends. I still have the one you gave me from Alice in Chains. Uh, guitar, <laughs> and the picks. Yeah, and the guitar picks. Guitar picks from the band. And, um, and usually I have tickets and passes and the passes are usually all access passes where you can go anywhere you want. So I don't really need the tickets. And what I'll do with my tickets, I'll go up to the balcony. I'll go to the top of the balcony, or if it's an arena or a stadium, I'll go all the way to the back of the arena or all the way to the back and the top of the stadium. And I'll look for anyone who's like, into it like on their feet even though they're in the last row and they're on their feet going like that yeah um and i'll go hey uh i have front row seats if, if you want them and dude i this is so crazy i cannot tell you how, how often... many blowjobs you've gotten from <laughs> how <laughs> i dude well, that's I... how you got backstage mark but anyway <laughs> hey, it was worth I, it dude i cannot tell you how often i've said hey uh, I got front row seats, man. You guys want to sit in the front row? I can't tell you how often people have gone. We're good, dude. We're good. Like, there's something about this face. They don't they, trust. They don't yeah. trust me. Well, they, maybe they'll prefer this face. We got a young Craig Gas yeah. and a nice uh, one of your first ads, ad campaigns. We got oh, all right. Let's. Uh... Hank, Matt. Hey, man. How are you? How's it going? Well, uh, this is Cindy, and we just got engaged. Congratulations. Hank's a great catch. Of course, he's a great catch for 300 lucky ladies back in college, right? Dude, you were the man. Oh, I ran into Cheryl last Friday. Remember her? Still asking about you. Just give her a call. Knowing when to stop is a good... Oh! <laughs> That is awesome. That's smooth jazz, Craig. Dude, yes. I have to tell you, there's a story behind that. Um, and it starts with, I think, Law and Order was my first acting job. Law and Order and Sex in the City were my first two acting jobs. And I go into a producer session for Law and Order, which is like, which is the callback session. Um, whoever the casting director was said, I'm just going to put you right to this. And I was auditioning for a guy. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a bartender. And his character description was hella cool guy. And I walked in. They said, all right, guys, uh, next up, we have Craig Gass will be auditioning for us. And I walked in. They go, hey, Craig. And I go, hey, uh, hey, real quick, before I get started, um, I, just a uh, hella cool guy. That's me. And they were like. Okay, well, do your audition and we'll decide for ourselves. And I do my audition 
And I gave it all the energy that I thought it deserved. And they all just stared at me. And then one director went, uh, or one of the producers said, hey, Craig, can you do, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Um, can you go back outside? There's a table with a stack of scripts on it. Can you grab the script with the character name Mark Grandy? And two other producers in the room said, I was just thinking the same thing. And he goes, yeah, yeah. Go, go get the character, the script for the character Mark Grandy. And I went, okay. So, uh, hella cool guy. Like, and they go, nah, get, get Mark Grandy. And I walk <laughs> back out, and there's all these scripts. And I pick up Mark Grandy, character description, drunk asshole. And I went, <laughs> And I'm like drunk, and I'm like I was like hella cool guy, like. And they go, Craig, come back in. I go, I haven't even read the material. And they said, it doesn't matter, just come in. <laughs> and I come back in, and I'm reading the words cold for the first time. And they looked at me and they went, Oh, you got it, you got the part. And I was like, I haven't even, I didn't even put anything in. And they're like, You're the guy, you're the guy. And I was like, So it's like, on the one hand. I'm getting a TV part. I'm going to be on like a network TV show. But on the other, it's like, I am such a fit for drunk asshole. And then I get a call from Smirnoff, the commercial you just played. They're like, you would be the perfect drunk asshole. And I hadn't even been cast yet. I haven't even started filming the law and order. I got like three parts in a row where they're like, you know, who you'd be great for drunk, drunk asshole. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so, which then landed you this part, uh, rolled the, the sex in the city. After three Weight Watchers meetings, where they did nothing but talk about eating, Miranda Babyweight and Tom Bigbone decided to go someplace and actually eat. So then I did the one where you can only have the water, eggs, and grapefruit. Because they're so good together. Yes. <laughs> actually worked out well for me until I um, fainted on an Indian woman in the subway. <laughs> what about the one with all the prepackaged chemicalized food? I don't know how they get all of those delicious artificial ingredients in such little tiny packages. <laughs> I know, although they did have this itty bitty thing of tuna that I loved, but then I cut my tongue licking it out of the can and I knew it was time to stop. Did you ever try the cabbage soup diet? No. I heard it gives you really bad. Gas? Mm. Yeah, it's true. That was the end of my fiance. Oh, she sounds mean. Well, I think there was more to it than cabbage. We weren't very good together. She was very critical. The more she put me down, the more I ate. And to this day, whenever somebody criticizes me, I um, I go right for those. Oh, glazed. They're my favorite. Yeah. Smooth jazz, Craig Gass. That's why I've gained weight, because I've been working with Mark, and he's like that. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. muted again, Craig. I got it. I got it. Oh, good. <laughs> you know that story behind that? I don't know if I ever told you. It's a really fucked up story behind the shooting, Sex in the City. Did I ever tell you that? No. I actually feel bad about retelling the story, but um, my first day on the set, I played a character on Sex in the City who, every time I get together with Cynthia Nixon's character, I love to go down on her just love to go down on her and every time i go down on her she has such a huge reaction that she explodes all over my face and i'm such a sensitive guy that i just want to hold her and kiss her afterwards which freaks her out because my face is always covered in miranda and <laughs> um, so my first day on the set all i'm gonna do is go down on Cynthia for 19 hours. That's all that's scheduled. From 6 o'clock in the morning until 1 o'clock the next morning. And um, I'm really nervous about it. I put on a lot of weight to do the show. And, and, uh, and she is super cool about it. When we get to the bed to shoot the first end of our first date, she says, I go, hey, uh, how do you want me to do this? And she goes, you know what? Just, just have fun but keep your mouth right here. And she was showing me on the inside of her thigh. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And um, it's a simulation game. She's wearing really thin short shorts. They're like a really thin material. And my mouth is on the inside of her thigh, but there's a lot of friction going on. My face keeps rubbing. So after the fifth or sixth orgasm shot, 
Um, there's no delicate way of saying this. I could smell it. And it wasn't a bad smell. It was like a happy smell. Like she's getting into it. Are you sure and, it wasn't a Gwyneth Paltrow candle? Yeah. <laughs> it's getting, that's a great line. It's getting thicker and thicker with each take to the point that when I'm sitting up in bed and, and listening to the director who's like 30 feet away, I can still smell it wafting up underneath my nose. And I was like, this is the greatest day of my life. Like, I'm getting like, I, I, I was worried that she was going to hate me, and she so does not hate me. And in between takes, I'm making small talk with her because my face is in her crotch all day and all night. So in between takes, I'm like, hey, so uh, tell me about yourself. you know. And I'm like, and I go, so you're our characters. We met at a Weight Watchers meeting, and she had just had a baby on the show. And I said, you have a kid in real life right she goes yeah i go that's cool so are you married or and she goes no i've been dating this guy and I go, that's cool how long have you guys been dating and she goes oh like 12 years and i go you've been dating a guy for 12 years and she goes yeah and i go how's that going and she went it's it's whatever and she got knocked up that weekend had a kid nine months later and announced to the world, I've just had a child, and I'm leaving my man, and I am a lesbian. And all my friends were like, dude, you turned her gay! <laughs> well, you did. You turned her gay! You definitely did. You did. Yeah. Blaming yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> and dude, but the reality is that... That was my baby. Like, if it wasn't for me, that baby would have never had a chance. At, like, she clearly went home and just said, you know what? Just jam it. I don't care what happens. Let's just do this. And she got knocked up. You know, Craig, I did that season, the season you were on. Oh, I really? was, uh, and my character on the show was jerk number two. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, I was so I'm doing a show with drunk asshole and jerk, and jerk number, number two. two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it always upset me that I wasn't good enough to be jerk number one. That is yeah. hilarious. I love that. I and love we made that. fun of her because she had gained weight because she had just given birth. Oh, I love that. I love that. How are you guys been holding up through all of this? Uh, I'll be honest, man. Uh, I was, I had a really crazy schedule. And I was going to work my ass off up the summer, and then I was going to take my foot off the gas and just spend time with my kids and Angie. And uh, I guess, you know, the higher power had an idea that I should do it earlier. So that's how I'm looking at it. I'm that's spending time with why the, the whole virus happened. Because <laughs> I had a good schedule. <laughs> what about you? Would you? Dude, we've been doing this five nights a week. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. I mean, we're putting a lot of time and effort into it, right, Mark? And um, yeah. it's been great. The great thing about it is we're getting people that we normally – you remember, you did it. You came to Comics Tribute, which was so nice of you. And mm -hmm. we shot we, – we recorded last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're calling people up going, hey, we want you to come on and do the show. They're like, yeah, man, I'll do it. You know, everybody's like, I'll do it. I got nothing to do. So it's been a lot of fun that way to – I mean, I'm, we're not making any money, but we're, we're getting to hang out with cool guys like you and – and catch up, and I've actually really enjoyed that end of it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, about it's you, funny. buddy. You're on the road more than anybody on the planet. It's so funny when you say you were going to take your foot off the gas. I was planning on taking my foot off the gas right now. At the beginning of April, um, my schedule was going to open up, and I was going to start spending more time at home in LA, and just start going out and auditioning for stuff to keep feeding everything. I just realized I need to do more TV. I need to focus more on my voiceover stuff and I need to feed this beast. So I was going to do just one show a month for the rest of the year and focus on work. Interesting. So I already, and I hit it. The, my break started right when the pandemic started. So you were, um, <laughs> so I, I was actually, uh, tonight and tomorrow night, I'm in Las Vegas right now. I'm staying with friends here in Las Vegas. And tonight and tomorrow night, I'm actually supposed to be performing in Vegas. I was scheduled at a at a new club. At yeah, because I was going to stay at your place in L.A. Oh, that's right. I remember <laughs> you telling me you were coming out to L.A. Um, I was going to perform at the Plaza 
tonight and tomorrow night. And, um, and my timing, I was so excited because I timed it to be out here for the NFL draft. It was supposed to happen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They were, were going to do the NFL draft on the fountains. Yeah. Bellagium, and they were going to have all the, the potential draft guys come out. And each person that gets called, they were going to put them on a boat. On a boat. And the boat was going to go to the stage to, to like welcome them to the NFL. I remember thinking when I heard that, I was like, that's the stupidest. I can't wait to see that. And that's, I don't even care much about the draft, but it was just the spectacle of how ridiculous it was that I just wanted to be able to witness that and get my own content on well, my phone for it. If so. you want to have a good time, go back and watch the draft from last night because Roger Goodell, the commissioner of football, is the worst. <laughs> I, dude, he was so uncomfortable. He actually announced. Uh, you know, Vegas was supposed to do it this year, and uh, obviously, for reasons we couldn't do it, so Vegas is going to do it in 2020. He meant wow. 2022, and he never corrected himself. Everybody's like, "What the fuck are you talking about, dude?" <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> he was so that. uncomfortable. You have to watch. He's like, and and they had would like say like the Seahawks were up on the on the on yeah. the board, right behind him. They'd have Seahawk fans all behind him on video like this. And he would turn and go, come on, let me hear you. Let me hear you. Oh, my God. I <laughs> saw that. Personality. I saw that. By the way, I don't know if you heard the other thing. Did you see where he, uh, Goodell said, this is so ridiculous. He said that if you inject disinfectant into your body, it would kill the coronavirus? No. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. That was the president. Sure. The president said that. The president said that. The president of the United States of America asked medical people, what if we inject disinfectant? Wouldn't that – I mean, disinfectant kills like, – Well, hey, I, hey we actually – this is a perfect well, wait, segue. Wait, back, back in my heyday, when I, I injected way worse than Lysol into myself. So yeah. <laughs> Well, well, speaking we, of getting rid of the coronavirus, we have a special guest that's surprise, here to surprise yes, you, Craig. All right, let's see it. Bring him out. Craig hey! Gannon, as I look and breathe. What is happening? What's going on, brother, man? That, hey, man. Oh. I just, hey, how come nobody wants to ask me what I've been doing during the pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> Please. We we've gotten more ratings from you being sick, Jimmy. We got Jimmy on the show more than me and Mark every week. He's in his hospital bed. He came on. He's you're the Jimmy. you're Doctor Phil. You're the biggest fucking name in Corona right now, Jimmy. I don't, I don't, I don't know how it happened. Jimmy has been the story that I repeat to friends all the time. I know a friend, a guy who I know personally. This is what his experience was, and it was really interesting to see Jimmy. Uh, there's this really it's happened to me twice now where friends of mine you only know from their closest loved ones that they're in trouble they're in the hospital and they're in trouble and all you can do is go to their facebook page every day and hope a positive turn gets gets posted and it's days and weeks sometimes before anyone has any word. And it's just lots of people posting. It's, that's what happened on, on Jimmy's page is people posting like, is he okay? Any mm -hmm. updates, anything going on? And then all of a sudden it's, you know, I actually texted Lisa. I texted Lisa Lampanelli to say, uh, is there anything going on? You know, is he okay? Uh, how is he? And she said, actually, there's some great news right now. And it hadn't been posted to your Facebook page, but you were starting to make a turn. And, right. and then as uh, people started posting, First-hand account. I saw him. First-hand account. He's he's breathing on his own. First-hand account. And then Jimmy shows up on Facebook. Thank you guys for all your love. I'm I'm getting better. It's like oh, it's like it's 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 a crazy thing. And then Jimmy posts his whole. I'm telling your whole life story. You're sitting right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're doing great, bro. I just you're not doing my voice though. I don't get that. I don't understand. Yeah. Craig's get... gonna be the narrator to your life story. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, but I, I, I really I want to come on and thank you, man, for all your uh, your kind words. I actually got one of those. This is why I like things that you do with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. This is why I like Jimmy Canizaro. I was like, oh man, I'm I'm honored, man. It was great. But all your kind words and everything you said, 
I mean, you, people don't understand how that actually helped. I mean, I was literally on my deathbed between my wife and everybody with their thoughts and prayers and having the best doctor in the world that decided to do chloroquine with me. And I, that just changed my life. I mean, thank you. I, again, thank you for that, man. You were, you were great. You were phenomenal, man. There's one part of your story that's really uh, sad that uh, you said that there was actually a guy in the next room. Yeah. Died. Yeah. I heard that whole, I heard, every, I heard all the nurses rushing to his room. I heard him yelling, you got to breathe. You got to breathe. It was like, and I could hear that. And I'm going, man, I hope he makes it. And then I heard them all leaving. And then I heard him wheel the body out. And I was like, the next day I wow. said to my nurse, I go, what happened? She goes, she just shook her head. I was like, whoa. But then by the time I got out, I was there for 17 days. By the time I got out of there, my whole floor had passed away. I mean, when I got there, it was eight people when I got there on March 15th. By the time I got to April 1st, the whole hospital was just was just a coronavirus. It was amazing how it happened. And they had already put, you know, a, a refrigerated truck out there and they were filling it with bodies and you know, Whoa. and then my doctor tells me when I go home, he goes, I don't mind telling you now, everybody that had the same numbers you had died. He said, wow. he goes, so somebody was on your side, man. I was like, thank I go, thankfully you're on my side, you know? So yeah, it was, a, it's, it was crazy, man. It was a crazy time of my life, man. Yeah. I always say as a testament to how lovable James is, is uh, Jimmy's ex-wife, Lisa Lampanelli still loves him. Well, <laughs> Craig. Jimmy and I were at the same table at her. At, uh, I'm sorry, Lisa and I were at the same table at Jimmy's wedding. No yeah. shit. Yeah. So I mean, that gives you an idea how like how cool that is. Now let me just say this: Jimmy took a. Jimmy was on a Thursday. Thought this is it. I'm going to die. Right. Yeah. And by that Monday, he was on our show from his hospital bed. He was on this show. We, we brought him up. And that, 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 is it. that truly is a death sentence right there. <laughs> I don't know which was worse. But here's my point. Shut up, Jimmy. Here's my point. I got him on the show, and he came on, and then two weeks later we brought him on again. But since then, Dr. Phil's had him, NBC, CBS, ABC. All hacking our shit, got to get his own fucking sitcom out of this. <laughs> I'm not going to see a piece of it, which pisses and, me by the way, By the way, did you see on the clip, now I had told him that I worked I security at Gotham Comedy Club. Oh yeah. By the time I got on the show, Dr. Phil said, James is a comedian from New York. I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, it on the bottom of the screen that I was a comedian. I you was know like, what though? Jimmy, if you do get a sitcom, if you end up with a sitcom, I know who can play the drunk asshole and jerk number two. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> oh, Jimmy, yeah. Richie, Richie's always jerk number one with me, my friend. <laughs> It is funny though that like everybody else's career like stopped. Jimmy's the biggest name in comedy right now. Hey, I got a taste of it. I did. I did British TV. I did the British Sky Television Network. Yeah. I did a Russian TV show. I'm trying yeah. to get the fucking virus. Unbelievable, man. I do have a question about. Um, I've been wanting to ask you this, Jimmy. That um, you gave a detailed account when you got out, and you explained. You remembered the day you got started to get sick, the day right. your fever started to ramp up, the day you looked for testing and couldn't get it, as most people are, most people are having the same experience that they can't even get a test unless they're showing the most severe symptoms. And that's because there's not enough tests for everyone to take one. You have to, you have to hold on to the test for people who are showing the most extreme symptoms. But there's a turn in your recovery where you were on hydroxychloroquine and you continue to stay the same. Then your doctor switched you to chloroquine and a, and a, what kind of a pack? A, a Z-pack? Z-pack, yeah. And a Z-pack. What's the difference between hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine? You know, I can't, I couldn't tell you, but I, I, this is what I tell everybody. Now, when I got tested, it took the, I got tested on Sunday, the 15th of March. Okay. So, and at that point I had bilateral pneumonia. So I was already had a hard time breathing. I knew they had the disease, but they didn't, they didn't know till Tuesday. So they didn't give me really anything because the bilateral pneumonia is viral. So there's nothing they can give you. So they weren't treating me really for anything. Hmm. Until Tuesday morning, they said, you are positive. And that's when they went with the hydroxychloroquine. Okay. That they had me for two days. That Thursday, that's the Wednesday night where the guy died. 
That Thursday morning, I thought I was going to die. That's when they switch it to the chloroquine. Now, I always tell people, I had already had it for like maybe 12 days. Would I have gotten better anyway? Was it a coincidence? I don't know. All I know is I'm here. It worked out where the day they gave it to me, I thought I was going to die. At midnight that night, I felt like I was much, much better. And then by Sunday that week, I was already like, I said, all right, I'm almost ready to go home. And by Monday, he was a celebrity. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I got interviews I got to do. That's amazing. So, so that's how quick it happened. So if my thing is, did the drug save my life? Maybe. I mean, it, was it a coincidence? Would I have gotten better anyway? I don't know. All I know is I'm here. So that's, you know, now, that's, that's how I feel. So do you have a value now as having an antibody that can be used for by other people? I got to I got to go back to the doctor uh, in two weeks. And I said to him, you're going to check. He goes, yes, we're going to check to see if you have the antibody. And then we'll just take your plasma plasma okay. from you. And okay. I said, hey, if, whatever you got to do, I'm, I'm I said, I'm all in. Okay. But he says, he's still he goes, you're still recovering yet. He goes, after you're done recovering, I just got off oxygen three days ago. So I was on oxygen for like almost a month. Hmm. You know, I, when I first was on, I was on 10 liters. That's like the highest you can go. And I was on for two weeks. I had in the nose and a mask. That's what kept me off the ventilator. If they didn't do that, I would have been on a ventilator. You know, because my my uh, oxygen level was 87. If it goes to 85, you're on a ventilator. Wow. That's how close you are. Wow. And, you know, your oxygen level is supposed to be 99. That's a long ways off, man, you know. Wow. So I was very close to being on a ventilator. They just kept stuffing pure oxygen down my lungs. Mm. And finally and eventually it cleared out. Wow. And I, still, I tell you, I still, I still feel on my lungs. My lungs are damaged. And yeah. they say, it's going to take you a while, man. It's going to take you a while. So, you can hear it now, Jimmy. The way, when you talk, I can tell you still, I still. I'm still laboring a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, when I go out for a walk, it's nice. When I got to go up my stairs, I got one flight of stairs to walk up. When I get to the top, I'm like, okay, I can feel it now, you know? Yeah. Really? So it's going to take some time, but uh, thank God. I'm, I mean, geez, how much better I am than the first time you saw me, right? I mean, oh, man, oh. You, you look Although, rough. I'll tell you, I look better than Richie, though, the first time. I don't know why. I'm in the hospital. Remember, <laughs> your head was all red that day for some hey, reason. The name of the show is Drinks, <laughs> Jokes, and Storytelling, brother. I got my Gatorade. I'm drinking Gatorade, man. Drinking me Gatorade. Too. I got, I got my green juice. I I need both of you guys' drinks because I'm severely hungover. Nice. <laughs> hey, I finally had uh, I finally had some uh, champagne with my wife the other day and a couple of glasses of red wine. So, you know, I'm I'm not I haven't been back to the bourbon yet. I haven't been back to the Manhattans yet. But uh, dipping your toe. In. Eventually, that's going to happen, man. I have a question. Uh, how many friends do you know have gotten sick that have reached out for advice that are sick? Um, you know, most of the people that I know have gotten sick, like my wife, she had it, but uh, it was very minimal. She had uh, kind of the body aches. She had a low fever. Yep. Uh, she had a cough. So she stayed home for 14 days while I was in the hospital. Okay. Um, nobody I know has had it as bad as I had. One guy I went to high school with, I see him on Facebook. I heard he was on a ventilator and he's now out. And wow. I haven't really talked to him since high school, but I, you know, I've commented on his. He's commented on mine. I'll tell you one thing. One sad thing that happened, and I hate. To I was just going to tell you to tell this story. I know where you're going. Go ahead. Yeah. So I had a friend of mine who used to be a guitar player. He used to play in my club when I had a rock and roll club. When I got sick, he sent me a, a beautiful thing on Facebook. Jimmy Cano, we love you. Stay with him. Well, since then he had gotten sick and passed away. So he imagine he that right? my side. Got sick. He had it for four days and died. And he and I was blown away when I heard that. That's... I was like, I just read his message two nights ago, and now he's gone. I was that yeah. that really blew me away, man. Who is the musician? This guy's name is Russ. I don't remember his last name. I don't remember his last name. He was just he was always just Russ to me. He was a great guitar player. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's just uh, it was sad, man. And I tell you, the guy dying next to me was bad. But I'm watching the news while I'm in the hospital, and I'm it's very unsettling. When half the world is dying from what you have, it was like, you know, this many people died today, and this many people, and I'm going, I, I you know, what's keeping me? And I can't breathe, and I'm going, yeah, I know why they're dying. They all can't breathe, and especially when they're showing a shot that you recognize as the outside of your hospital, and you lift out the window and go, hey, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> like you know, I'm still no alive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there were people actually outside across the streets going, you guys can do it. It was it was weird, man. 
Wow. It was it was kind of uh, when I left wow, the really? Wow. They came in to take me out on a wheelchair. And when they wheeled me out into the lobby, everybody that worked there stopped and gave me a standing ovation. I thought that was kind of cool. Wow. And then I said to myself, I think they're just happy to see somebody finally go out in a chair finally. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's no, like it's totally right. Where were you at? Were you in Manhattan? Yeah, I was in Brooklyn. I'm in I live in Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. Okay. It's like four blocks from where I live. Okay. They could have been better. They could have been nicer. They were phenomenal. I'm telling you, my doc, I've done a couple of TV interviews with my doctor now. So he's become, he goes, I'm riding your coattail, he tells me. <laughs> well, he, now, uh, yeah, he was amazing. Jimmy, as a guy who's been through it and has been affected by this as powerfully as you have, uh, is it hard for you to hold back when you see friends on Facebook trying to post that it's fake? Yeah, I get, you know, I mean, you know, it's funny, a guy like me, I'm very non-political. I don't really follow, you know, if you go to my, my Facebook page, you can't tell where I am, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I don't disagree. I root for whoever's in the office, you know, whoever's in the office, he's my guy, you know, yep. so, yep. but uh, I know there's with my, with that drug, for some reason, I don't know, it, be, it became political. Is it because Trump liked it? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it became like a political yeah. thing for some reason. I don't, I don't get it. It worked. All I can tell you, it worked for me. Is yeah. it going to work for everybody else? My body seemed to react well to it. Well, everybody's, I have no idea, man. Yeah, I don't, know, they idea. don't have enough studies about it, but how could they? We, we yeah. got, so yeah. yeah, it worked for you. And then yeah, they say, well, it may not work for somebody else, but hey, I don't give a shit. Jimmy's alive. Hey, and, and I, know your, I know your boss. I know Dr. Phil. He's big. I mean, uh, Dr. Ross, he's big on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the guys on that are trying to declare this thing as a fake story are on both sides of politics. Right. Uh, there's just people that are mostly upset about having to stay at home, which is what we all got to do, you know. Right. And it's, and it's people are upset about, hey, the government's not going to tell me uh, what to do, and they feel like, I mean, there are some extremists out there who think, you know, there's a there's a conspiracy to this all inside while they take over and. And it's really, if you read about the data about what the virus is and what it does to people, um, it's just we're 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 all taking a step inside to to save lives and not to crowd the hospitals. I mean, it's all it's been explained since since day one. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And the, one would, thing, the one thing I liked about the drug, which I can tell you, is it wasn't new. People have been taking this for 50, 60 years. Right. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't like we're going to try it on the and see how the human body yep. reacts to it. They already knew that we were okay with it. I think I'm okay with it, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. And the but the drug you took, chloroquine, is different right. than the one that they've been pushing, which is hydroxychloroquine. The hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. I was on it for two days. Yeah. I was on it for two days. And uh, they also give you uh, zinc. You got to take zinc with that. Yeah. And, and you got to take a, a, a Z pack. And, uh, and and then you know, and I tell you what they did every day, they they gave me an EKG to keep an eye on my heart. Mm -hmm. They took blood twice a day. They did my vitals every four to six hours. So they really stay on top of like if they're giving you a drug, they make sure it doesn't affect your heart, it doesn't affect your blood. You know, although my they said my blood was awful, so I was like, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, your blood numbers are horrible. So when you what, got you know, when like you got home, if it helped. I'm here, man. Thank God. You know, when you got home, is there any one thing you were looking forward to the most when you got home? Yeah, I was going to hug my wife, even though she was, uh, we we weren't supposed to hug each other. Yeah. But I was going to hug my wife, take a nice hour long shower, and eat some pizza. Because the food, <laughs> in, the hospital, the food in the hospital is, it's calling it food is not correct. Yeah. But, uh, they but took uh, your yeah, blood it's, type it's, and it was Marinara. Guy down the street, a little off the off the boat Italian guy makes the best pizza. Right? I called him right away. He goes, "I got you." So uh, uh, yeah. So did you know, hug him too? I didn't see my wife. I couldn't. I had no visitors. I didn't see my wife for seventeen days. So you know, it was it was rough, man. man. Uh, we're almost hitting forty five. I'm going to shift gears real quick. Craig, we want to play a little game with you. All uh, right, Jimmy, stay on with us. All um, right, man. We're going to pop up a picture, a photo, and we want you to improvise the first thing that comes to your head as that person. So you're oh. going to do the impression of that of person. the person. All right. And you get one or two sentences on each guy. Joey, let's start him up with the first one. 
Hey everybody, this is Paul Stanley, and I'm here to tell you that despite what's going on, it's time to rock and roll! <laughs> Hi, this is Gene Simmons from KISS, and not only did we create the coronavirus, we have a cure, but it'll cost, <laughs> but it'll cost you. Go to kissonline.com. And- <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh boy. I got to tell you, I got into Jimmy's stash. I got a bottle of hydroxychloroquine. Oop, I just shit my pants. <laughs> yeah, this is um, this is Mike Tyson. I'm going to knock you the fuck out for no reason. Because I've been smoking pot. I'm the most dangerous man during this pandemic. Don't come near me and my fucking pigeons. <laughs> hey, during this pandemic, I'm going to put a baby in your butthole. <laughs> Yes, this is the guy that you hear when you're on the edge of death. Jimmy, it's me. It's time for you to come home! Oh! <laughs> this is a very serious actor yeah. who likes to call his little daughter a pig. I, I got nothing else. <laughs> Listen, Jimmy, yeah. I've got your cure. And I, your grandfather wanted you to have the cure. So I put it in the only place it would fit in my ass. <laughs> oh, why are you talking out your ass again? Aflac! Aflac! Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> Come on. That's it. Mark does the best Nick impression of all time. Oh although, God. although I will tell you one. Can I just tell you one quick story about Nick? I love him. He's actually. Nick, I told him we had a surprise, so he's definitely. Gonna I said to Mark, in. five people are going to get that, and three of them are us. <laughs> so Nick, Nick, who's everybody's favorite manager from the from comedy, he used to run the um, stand up New, New York. And I'll never forget. Nick is. Very out of the closet. Nick is. Um, and, There's no closet. And Nick is a big flirt. He is the biggest flirt. I used to always bring musicians to stand up New York. Like wherever I'm performing, I always bring musicians to come see the show. And one night, David Lee Roth came in with his band, and Nick pulled me aside and said, Craig, who's the beautiful man with the long, curly brown hair? And I said, Oh, uh, oh, that's Brian. That's uh, that's Dave's guitar player. And Nick went, I want to be a rock star's wife so bad. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And my second favorite story was, I want to say, I want to say it was Todd Lynn. There was a comedian that walked into Stand Up New York to get ready for their set, and they were disgusted. They walked in and said, oh, man, that's fucking nasty. And it was like, what's nasty? And he goes, some dude jerking off in his car right out there on 78th Street. And Nick just ran out and went, where? And he just... <laughs> <laughs> he, he, just he grabbed his coat and he's running he, out the door. He didn't ask directions. He didn't ask, like, he just flew out the door <laughs> like a fucking Muppet. Where? Like, he just fucking flew right out the door. It was fucking... It was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. I miss those days of working at the club, man. He was so goddamn funny. He really was. And he really took care of the comedians, man. He loved to to take out a budget and just cater some food. And if anyone tried to touch the food that wasn't a comic, it's like, that's for the comedians. I can't do a good Nick impression. Mark no, does. That's for the comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can go elsewhere and get some sandwiches. Everybody <laughs> loves Nick. I adore Nick. I adore oh. Nick. And by the way, the amount of love that was coming out for Jimmy, man, people love you, Jimmy. I mean, the, yeah. the, the amount of love that was coming out on your page was like. Yeah, I was, uh, I was really kind of taken back by that, man. I was like, wow, this was uh, this was nice. A lot of people in the, in the comedy world like you and a lot. I mean, Rich, everybody was so nice. I, I couldn't believe Greg, it. Greg, you were right. That it was so frustrating because you didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jenna did a great job of trying to update, and you knew she was in a bad place. 
But yeah. it was so you, you it was so frustrating to and, and Jimmy texted me. Remember, mm -hmm. Jim, you texted me. Yeah, and I even wrote, "Is this Jenna?" Because I wasn't sure. Because you hadn't heard anything from you. Right. And then, and then he called me, and that just what a great day that was when you called. Yeah, you. Yeah, I think you were the first phone call I made. I, mean, I know Jim Brewer called me the day before. Mm -hmm. Right. I heard from Gaff again, and then I, I my first outgoing phone call from uh, from the hospital. I was like, I texted you, and you answered right away. And I was like, Well, you got your phone in your hand. I got my phone. Yeah. In my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me call you. Yeah. Thanks, so, Jimmy. So, yeah, guys, man. we're going to wrap here, but uh, we didn't do the joke. Do either of our guests have a joke they'd like to tell? Street joke? A street joke? I don't know. I got a lot of, I got a lot of uh, good press from the last one I told for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I got, a, I got a, a cute one. I heard this when I was nine years old. <laughs> it goes like this. It goes... Uh, did you hear there was a new restaurant that opened up on the moon? It's good food, no atmosphere. <laughs> I was nine when I heard that joke. You guys are great. Still funny. Greg, I, all right. Yeah, I got one. I just remembered one uh, that I haven't thought of in a long time. A guy, a normal guy, normal life, normal family, normal job. Suddenly snaps starts hearing a voice in his head a whisper repeatedly saying sell your car sell your house take all the money go to vegas over and over again for days and weeks and months on end sell your car sell your house take all the money Go to Vegas. And after months of this, he snaps. He sells everything he owns. Gets one check. Gets on a one-way ticket to Vegas. When he lands in Vegas, he hears, Go to Caesars. Go to Caesars. Gets in a cab. Take me to Caesars. Gets into Caesars. Take all the money. Bet it on black. Take all the money, bet it on black. He cashes in the check, gets all the chips, takes everything he owns, and he goes, I'm putting this all on black. And the roulette wheel goes around, and the ball lands 21 red. And he hears, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's drink jokes and storytelling. Last call. Thanks for listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling.